0: In Genesis chapter 16, we want to look at this gentleman by the name of Ishmael and Abraham and the circumstances surrounding his coming into being. And maybe we can learn a number of good things from this as we walk through this. In Genesis 16, let's start with verse number 1. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid, and it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearken to the voice of Sarah. Everybody can say submissive husband. Wow. <laughs> Come on, let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this opportunity to look into the scriptures. We pray that you speak to all of our hearts and really talk to us tonight as we look into what can happen when we decide we want to help you. And to see what the blessings are when we wait for you to do what you want to do through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Of course, Sarah and Abraham were from the region of modern-day Iraq, from an area called Ur of the Chaldees in that vicinity. And quite naturally at that time, having young babies or having children, I should say, would have been very important to any lady. And so the I don't want to say the custom, and the reason I don't want to say custom is because when we start with Noah and look at his lineage, you don't find in Shem's lineage a whole lot of people sharing their spouses up until this point. However, we do know that after this comes to pass you're going to find it with Jacob and you're going to find it with his concubines and wives Rachel and Leah both had uh, maids that they gave over to Jacob and they ended up with 12 children but notice that Sarah she was under the impression that because she's supposed to have a kid that um she's going to try to help the king. Now verse 2, in her mind, it's the king holding her back from having a kid. But if if you think God is fighting against you, then why turn around and try to help God with his promise? You understand it's it's kind of like the story of Ruth where Ruth, we examined that last week where Ruth came home saying, "The Lord has testified against me. The Lord has afflicted me the lord has dealt bitterly with me well if you feel that way then how can you have faith to believe god's going to help you now in this instance she starts thinking about this maid this worker and we don't know anything about how they obtained her we don't know if she just wandered in there from Egypt and applied for a job, or they purchased her in their travels or something like that. But in any case, she had this idea, Abraham, it would be better for you if you just go ahead and spend some time with Hagar. So then here you have early biblical surrogacy. And in verse 3, it says that Sarah took the maid after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. So 10 years in the promised land, 10 years they had been hoping, 10 years they had been believing, a decade they had been trusting, nothing happened. So it says she gave her to her husband to be his wife. Now that's that's the interesting thing. She gave him or gave her To be his wife. So this becomes almost like legal status. Sarah takes Hagar and elevates her. She's a maid. She's a servant girl. But because of one decision that Sarah made. She basically made her her equal. That's essentially what she did. She made her her equal. Abram of course. Because he he likely was like most men in here was dragged kicking and screaming into this situation he went in unto hagar and she conceived now we don't know how long this whole process went on as far as them them getting together it wouldn't matter anyhow, any in how she had become his wife but notice verse four once she saw that she was pregnant then she started hating sarah See how the condition changes? Sarah elevates this woman, gives her pride of place in the house or equal position, and now she's running around here thinking, well, see, I've done what you're incapable of doing. I've given your husband something you couldn't give him. And this kind of disdain that she was showing towards her her mistress was disrespectful. And God certainly wasn't happy about it at all. But there are plenty of people who pass through situations like that because this is a revelation of her character. You get a promotion. You didn't have it formally, but now you're put in a position of some kind of influence and power, and then who you really are comes out. And in verse 5, Sarah realized, I have not done a good thing. Everybody would say amen to that, wouldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. I've not done a good thing. And She says, my wrong be upon you. So she's saying, Abram, you are the one that has been affected by my error. Now, Abram could have just said no in the first place. And that's what he should have said. But he didn't say that. And because of that, we've got a a kid coming now. And even if we call it my wrong, my fault, my error, my sin, Sarah and Abraham and Hagar still have to deal with the consequences of Sarah's sin, Sarah's fault. And that's what we have to always realize. Some people think that when they find forgiveness, that everything ought to just disappear and the slate ought to be wiped clean. It doesn't always work like that. You'll be forgiven by God, but you still have to deal with the consequences. Adam and Eve sinned, and they were forgiven in the sense that they were covered in their nakedness, but God still said, You're leaving the garden. See? Moses was the leader of Israel, got angry and smote the rock in a manner that he wasn't supposed to. God didn't harbor any ill will towards him, but he still told him, You're not going into the promised land. David committed adultery. He obviously was forgiven by the Lord. But the Lord made it very plain that uh, he's going to have some issues with his house. He turned around and numbered Israel. God didn't want him to do that. And because he did that, he ended up with more trouble in his house. So the point I'm trying to emphasize is when you sin, then the consequences of it are there even when you sin against other people or you pull people into your iniquity and she acknowledges her fault. She says, I gave my maid into your bosom. I threw her at you. I put her in your possession because as the servant or slave or indentured servant, whatever she was in that home, he wasn't having any physical relations with her, but she opened up the door With a thought, and the thought was, it would be a good idea if she raised up seed for me. I can build my house. She had no idea that this lady was going to get pregnant and then hate her. So, the last sentence of verse five I was despised in her eyes, the Lord judged between you and me. Well, the Lord is. So, verse six Abram said to Sarah, even though it's Sarah, I just say Sarah. Uh your maid is in your hand. You do to her as it pleaseth you. Look, you're you're the one who is my wife. We were in charge of her. She was the one working for us even though you gave her some position and power, you need to put your foot down and let her know who the boss is. So you handle this. Abraham could have handled it, but he told her You handle this. The the wives in ancient times oftentimes ran the household anyhow, so he told her, she's in your hand, do what pleases you. And Sarah dealt harshly with her. Now, I don't know what she did, but she probably wasn't too kind. I mean, after all, remember what the the preceding verse says, that she was hated. Now, if, if you've ever had to live in a household with somebody who hated you, then you know that's not a pretty picture. It, it's not nice to be in a home with someone where every time they look at you, they're scowled. Or they avoid you. And some people, they they do, they spend their, their um, time with their family in separate rooms because they don't want to be around a sibling. They don't want to be around a spouse. They don't want to be around a child. What, whatever it is, but... She just went in there one day and said, look, there's going to be some changes around here. I don't care whether you like me or not. This is how it's going to happen. You're going to get back to doing what you were doing before, whether you like me or not. I'm not here to be liked. You ever had a boss like that? Yeah. Have you ever had to be a boss like that? Right. Sometimes you do have to put your foot down and let people know it's not about love and affection. It's about getting something done that's what she did. She was so harsh that at the end of verse 6, it said she fled from her face, from her presence. Now, before, she didn't mind being in Sarah's presence when she could rub that big, you know, belly that was growing. And she didn't mind being around Sarah, letting Sarah know that she was pregnant and going to have her husband's child. But now because somebody's being harsh with her, she don't want to be around Sarah at all. So the circumstances are changing. And verse 7, she fled and it says the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness. Years ago, I, I got on to this whole Ishmael subject because I had heard someone teaching one time and they said that nowhere in the Bible does the scripture ever call Ishmael Abram's son. Well, it says that plenty of times in in Genesis. But this person in trying to teach about Ishmael was going out of their way to explain why he was the pagan leader and ruler over the Muslims. And so what what I want you to see as we go through the scriptures is let's look at what the text says about Israel or Ishmael because I want you to understand Ishmael did have a relationship with God and he had one with God before he ever got here to planet Earth. You're going to see this in these verses. Verse 7. The angel of the Lord found her. Now, we've already established that Hagar was in rebellion. She was being mean. But God still sent a messenger to her and found her. And you can see she was by this well or fountain of water there. In the way to Sure. So she was out in the desert, and he said, Here's what the angel of the Lord said, Sarah's maid, where are you coming from? And where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from the face of my mistress. Now remember, when God's asking questions and the angels asking questions, it's not usually because they're looking for information. They're trying to stir up some debate here. When when Adam and Eve sinned and they were hiding naked in the bushes. And God came walking around and started asking a few questions like, uh, why are you there? It wasn't like God didn't know. You know what I'm saying? And it, it's like parents that play games with their kids. And the kids, they say, go and hide. And then little Bradley goes into the other room. And he was tiny. And he'd hide in the other room. And, and then mom and dad said, I'm coming to look for you. Then he'd be in the other room saying, Not yet. Giving his place away. And then they come walking in there, and they already know where he is behind the couch. And they said, Well, I wonder where he is. See, God knew God knew exactly where this lady had come from and where she was going. And he wanted her to talk about it. So verse 9, the angel of the Lord said to her, Go back. Go back. See, your rebellion is wrong. You turn around and you go back and then you submit yourself under her hands. Now, she didn't want to do that because she already was treating Sarah in a bad way. And so Sarah then started treating her in a bad way. And God didn't tell her that Sarah's going to change in her attitude towards her. She said, you go back and submit. So You have to do what God tells you to do even if the other person doesn't change in their attitude. See, true, true Christianity is going to manifest the fruit of the Spirit regardless of what other people are saying or doing. You have no control over other people's actions, but she does know that God has come to her. And since the Lord has come to her, she needs to operate in that. and She needs to be obedient to that. And if God has ever told you to turn around, and submit yourself to someone that you don't like, you still have to be obedient. You do. You still have to be obedient. There are plenty of people that that think, I can get angry, I can run away, and everything's going to be fine. Not in this instance. Not in this instance. How we leave, very often, is a manifestation of what our real character is. Leave the right way, not the wrong way. You say, what's the wrong way? In rebellion. See, in rebellion. Angry, upset, leave the right way. So verse 10, here's what the angel said to her. I will multiply your seed exceedingly. Now this is what he's telling the woman that's been in rebellion. That it shall not be numbered for multitude. Does that sound like a curse? Doesn't sound like a curse to me either. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, you're with child, and you're going to bear a son. Give him the gender. Give him the gender. did not say you're going to bear a uh, non-binary child. Son. Okay. Yeah. There's no no confusion here. God knows exactly who's going to be born. And you shall call his name Ishmael. God shall hear. God hears. Why are you going to call him that? Because I found you out here in the middle of this desert, and the Lord has heard your affliction. See? So she didn't think God was even paying attention to her. But what this shows us now is that the God of Abraham and the God of Sarah is also the God of Hagar here. See? And he came to her, he came to a woman who was a maid. And God is doing something wonderful now. God didn't create the circumstances for Ishmael's conception. But he is getting involved with it now. I've seen plenty of people who's... How would I say it? Um, I've seen plenty of people who uh, came together in marriage. And you could not describe it as something that the Lord put together. But God did get involved with it. And there have been plenty of children that have been born out of circumstances that were not favorable at all to what their disposition should be when they grew up. However, God was involved with it. Children of rape, see, forcibly brought into this world. That kind of a thing. OK, so God hears and, and this this shows you that no matter where a person is, whether they're a Bedouin in a tent or living in the city, God hears, God sees, God can visit when he wants to come talk to somebody. That's what happened here. Verse 12. And he will be a wild man. Does not say he's going to be a pagan. Wild man, What what's a wild man in the Hebrew the the exact language is he's going to be like a donkey See if you've ever seen a wild donkey or a wild zebra that's attacked by hyenas or lions or lionesses a a, a donkey if he gets a good shot at him he can kick a full-grown lion about 20 feet away right up in the air ishmael's character is is going to be one of such that he's going to be against everybody and everybody's going to be against him. His nature is going to be that way. It does not say he's going to be irreligious. The reason I know that is because Abraham's going to raise him. In the first 13 years of his life, Abraham believes he's the promised child. Now imagine how difficult that would be to spend 13 years thinking somebody's the promised child only to find out from God he's not the one. And not only is he not the one, you've got to let him go. That would be tough. Memories, you know, teaching them how to hunt, how to build an altar. Because you know that Abraham didn't walk away from his faith. So verse 12, he'll be a wild man. He'll be against people. They'll be against him. And he'll dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. So he won't go too far. He won't stray too far from his relatives. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her. Yeah, she's. It's like in the days of Seth, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Something's happening here. You see me. That's what she's going call him. You see me for she said, have I also here looked after him that sees me? So the name in verse 14, you've got that many syllabled word there that, that tells you what she named that place because God saw her in her affliction. God heard her in her pain and God visited her in the desert. God'll visit you yeah and your in your times where you hurt the most when you feel like you've been afflicted and and, and people have treated you harshly but but let's not forget she's kind of getting what she gave okay she's she's getting what she gave she she treated somebody bad now it's coming back on her and, and most of us. If we treat people bad, then it comes back on us. Then we talk to God as though we never had any part in it at all. You know, God, I don't understand why they treat me like this. Oh, really? You're just out here in the desert on your own. So verse 15, Hagar bare Abram a son, just like God said, and Abram called his son's Look at that word there, son's name, which Hagar bare. What, what did he name him? Ishmael. Who was in the wilderness and had the visitation from the Lord? Hagar. Hagar must have returned to the tent, told Abram what happened to her in the desert, and obviously Abram believed she had a genuine experience, and it was his God that visited her because he named the baby what God told her the baby's supposed to be named. So this wasn't like when when uh, Mary spoke to Joseph about her being <laughs> pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph said, well, I'm sure you got a few more other things to tell me too, but I'm not going for it. No, a- Abram believed what she said. So you can trust people's experience sometimes. I, I don't know that... He would have trusted this experience on any other day, but because it was his Lord that visited her. He knew that this same God that came to her is the one that came to him in Genesis 12 and said, leave the land of your nativity. See, and I want you to go to a place that you've never been before. You've never seen before. And I'll take you there. In verse 16, it says, Abram was 86 years years old Do we have any 86 year olds in here wanting to become a parent wow probably not all the men can raise their hand if they want to be a dad at 86 see but here's what happened 86 years old when hagar bare ishmael to abram now this this man he had a whole another lifetime to live he lived to be 100 175 so he left her at 75, he had Sarah dwelling in tents for a century, now we've got a baby. And this baby is here because sometimes people don't want to wait on God. And, and when we don't want to wait on God, then we have to live with a mistake, But even though it's a mistake, God can still bless the mistake so that you find some joy and happiness and peace out of it. So in chapter 17, you can see Abram was 90 years and nine goodness 99 the lord appeared to him said walk before me you'll be and be perfect and i'll make my covenant before you in verse 3 abram fell on his face and god spoke to him verse 4 said my covenant is with you and you'll be a father of many nations well that is exactly what he's expecting he's got a baby now so that's what he's expecting well look at look at verse 10 this is my covenant which you shall keep Every man child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant between you and me. So here's a man in his 90s. Now I have to circumcise himself. Yeah. Yeah, this this tough this tough time to live in. And <clears throat> I mean I can't imagine some people can give themselves shots. I couldn't even do that, I don't think. But but this here and and nobody had any ancient anesthetic, you know. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man, child, in your generations. He that is born in the house or bought with the money of any strangers, which is not of your seed. He goes on to say these individuals are going to have to be circumcised. Come down to verse number 15, 16, 17. God is telling abram about sarah i'm going to bless her and give you a son also of her i will bless her she'll be a mother of nations now he asked the question are you going to let a hundred year old person have a baby and the lord said yeah yeah because when ishmael was born he was 86 the lord's talking to him now about circumcision he's 99 when he realizes, I've done all of this with Ishmael, I've spent all of this time with him, I was under the, con- the, the misconception or the misunderstanding that he was the promised child. Look at how he intercedes for Ishmael in verse 18. Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Let him be the promised one. See, sometimes we get into a position where we don't even want to think about having to walk through another blessing again. I mean he's remember he's ninety nine he's not thinking about saying let's let's do these diapers all over again. I mean look, who wants to be doing all this all this all night stuff with babies crying and stuff? He don't want to go through all that again. Lord, please, let Ishmael live before you. And God said, Sarah shall bear you a son, you'll call his name Isaac, and I'll establish my covenant with him." Verse 20, as for Ishmael, I have heard you, behold, I have cursed him. Does it say that? What does it say? I have what? Blessed him. So don't let anybody ever tell you that Ishmael was cursed of God. He was blessed over and over and over again. He is a symbol of the flesh. We know that. But this man never knew any other God other than Abram's God. And God brought from him 12 mighty princes, as we see from, from the scripture. And you can see there in verse 23, Abram took Ishmael, his 13-year-old son, and everybody that was born into his house, and circumcised him. And Abram was 99 years old when he circumcised himself. And Ishmael, his son, in verse 25, was 13 years of age. That is a difficult thing to do. You, do you know how hard it would have been for Jesus to crucify himself? He couldn't have done it. He couldn't have done it. Even though he co- carried the cross to Calvary and got up there on the hill and laid down somebody, even if he could have hammered the nail in one of his hands, he wouldn't have got it in his feet. Impossible to crucify yourself like that. But but this man circumcised himself himself. And it pleased God. And the scripture says in Romans chapter 2, we are circumcised by the Holy Spirit in our hearts now. We don't have to do that. Praise the Lord. See? Because it was only the males that did it anyway. So the ladies didn't do it. Even though in the Middle East, ladies are circumcised today. Pakistan, Bangladesh, West Africa, North Africa, across the Middle East, Turkey. Terrible, the the way they they handle that. Nevertheless, it, it is done. So God removed that from the body of Christ so that the Holy Spirit could work in our hearts. He knows how to deal with that flesh in a much better way than we ever could. Yeah, he does. Now to move a little faster with, with some of this, once Sarah finally gave birth to uh, Mr. Isaac come over in verse 21 chapter 21 I should say then you can see in verse 2 she conceived bore Abram a son at the set time which God spoke it and called his name Isaac just like God told him now here's the thing if if you're Hagar And you're Ishmael. How are you feeling right now with Isaac on the scene? You think it's a little unsettling? Yeah. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Because flesh and spirit are never going to get along. Never going to get along. And when you become a Christian, you come out of sin into the kingdom of God. You still have that flesh, that old man, that old nature, the Bible says. It has to be crucified and put to death by faith. But that old nature will never get along with that new nature, that new man. And the Bible says put on that new man. So there's this, this continual inward conflict in the believer that is just like they had in that Old Testament tent. Ishmael and Isaac had problems because Ishmael persecuted Isaac because Hagar persecuted Sarah. And remember, God said, Sarah, uh, Hagar's son's going to be a wild man. Why? Because what's in mama is going to be in him since couldn't control her in the house after she got pregnant and her hatred became strong. What's in her is now going to be in him. That's exactly what happened. So look here at verse, verse 5, because Isaac was circumcised. It says, Abram was a hundred years old. Isn't God gracious? Don't you love it? A hundred years of age. Here comes a baby. Wow. Looky there. And, and Sarah said, God has made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. And people still are laughing when they read this story. Because they're tickled that, that this would happen to a hundred year old lady back then. I, I just don't see any of you in here fasting and praying and then laying hands on Lynette, Lynette saying, I want to be a mama again at ninety. See? But, they, but there are there are people who had probably prayed something similar. Verse 7. Who would have said unto Abram that Sarah should have given her children suck, which is to nurse them as old as she was at that time. All right, well, verse nine, Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had born unto Abram, mocking. So now here is Ishmael causing some problems. And I'm telling you right now, all the attention and time that daddy was given to him, teaching him to build an altar, teaching him to pray, teaching him to understand the character of God, telling him the story of how they left Ur, came into Canaan, how he was born, how all of that happened, happened. let him to believe that God put all of this together, God orchestrated all of this, only now to look at Abraham with Sarah and now with his mother and holding a new baby, that according to Abraham seems to have better promises than the ones given to me. So you you can see there's going to be some problems. Yeah, there's definitely going to be some problems. And the mocking aspect, whatever it was, it wasn't pleasing to Sarah. However you want to describe it, because in verse 10, she said unto Abraham, Kick her out of the house and her son. Now, you've got to be pretty angry if you want to throw somebody out. Yeah. There was a time where Sarah was saying, I want Hagar to have a child so that I can raise it up as my own and build my house. Now she's saying of that same boy, get him out of here. You see how people's minds can change? One moment they're saying, we want this to be a blessing. The next day they're saying, you just get out of here, Please. I'm just tired of you. I don't even want to deal with you anymore. And this is exactly what happened. The son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. In verse 11, the thing was grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. This man had affections. For Ishmael. You can't just turn those off. So you see people get married and they've got kids from previous marriage. And then when. Uh, they get together. Sometimes the kids on one, if not both sides, is uh, not acting right, maybe causing some problems or something like that. And then here you, you have some parents that are put in the awful position where they've got to choose between uh, this husband or this kid. Or you have a, a spouse that's in a position where they've got to choose between their spouse or dealing with this stepchild. And Abram agonized over this. He did not want to put out this boy, he didn't want to do it. But verse 12, God had to come and speak to Abraham. That's how deep this thing was. He said, Don't let it be grievous in your sight because of the lad and because of the bondwoman and all that Sarah had said. Hearken unto her voice. Well, Lord, the last time I listened to her, I ended up with an Ishmael. But God just said, listen to her. Yeah, listen to her. For in Isaac, your seed shall be called. And also the son of the bondwoman. Again, I will make a nation because he's thy seed. I'm going to bless him because he comes from you. Not cursed. He comes from you. This is God talking to him. At no time are we under the impression that Ishmael is involved with a pagan religion. Now, he, he may not have acted the way some of us act i mean there are a whole lot of people that are christian but yet still somewhat carnal or fleshly and and thank god for his grace that he puts up with us as long as he does but at some point he does say now don't you think it's time to get rid of that and stop doing that get rid of that attitude put that down how long are we going to do this you see at what point are we going to grow up and, and become christian So verse 14, Abram got up early in the morning, took bread and a bottle of water, gave it to Hagar, put it on her shoulder, and the child sent her away. She departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Why did she wander? Where was she going to go? See, where was she going to go? And when the water ran out in verse 15, she laid her teenage boy amongst the bushes she went and sat down a good way off just to look at him and she said i don't even want to see my son die that's how bad this death march was they didn't left prosperity they've left abundance they've left the covering of abraham's protection and now they're wandering out here in the middle of the wilderness yeah and um You can see that even out here in the wilderness, verse 17, God heard the voice of the lad. Now, now, uh, Hagar, of course, was in rebellion. God heard her affliction and came and spoke to her. Because her mistress started persecuting her. Now, don't you remember the story of the the people that were in Egypt and there rose a Pharaoh that didn't know Joseph? And then that Pharaoh started persecuting the children of Israel. And what did the children of Israel start doing? Crying out to God. And at the end of Exodus chapter 2, what does it say about the children of Israel? God looked upon their affliction and heard their sighings and groanings. And how many times did Israel wander around out in the wilderness, belly aching about a, they're about to die because they're hungry and they're thirsty, but God came and vi- visited them. You see? So, even in circumstances that aren't ideal, you can still find a picture of God's deliverance of what He's going to do in somebody else's life. So, in hindsight, we can look back and we can see it. But I'm telling you right now, what God did for her, He'll do for you and me. He'll preserve, He'll bless, He'll protect us, even when we feel like we don't have all the material resources that we need. Verse 16, I don't want to see the death of my child. She lifted up her voice and wept. Verse 17, God heard the voice of the lad. The angel of the Lord called to Hagar and said, what ails you? (laughs) I love these questions. What's wrong with you? (laughs) Well, I'm dying. That's what's wrong with me. And he said, don't be afraid. God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Now, she's the one crying. But God's listening to Ishmael. Yeah. God's listening to Ishmael. Lift up the lad, hold him in your hand for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink and the love. Verse 20, the first sentence, God was with the lad. You see, God was with the lad. That is important for you to know. When you hear people teach on the story of Ishmael, and they make Ishmael seem like he was the most wicked person on the planet, he wasn't. He was fleshly, and and he was by nature wild and and rambunctious and everything like that. But but he was not the evil person people want to make him out to be. Now, of course, his seed they didn't all turn out to be what they should have, and so he was separated from abraham and then the next time that we find ishmael and isaac together it's when abraham dies and they reconcile at the grave and they are standing there and they have come to bury their father you say well is that somewhere in genesis where they got together look at genesis 25 Verse number 8, it says, Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good age, an old man full of years, and was gathered to his people. Genesis 25, 7, verse 7 says, he was 175 years of age. Verse 9 says, and his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him. Now they separated with Ishmael mocking him, persecuting him, not even really getting along, but they come back together at death. The bury dad. You ever seen that happen with siblings? People go years or decades without ever talking to one another, and then when mom or dad pass away, then somebody come wandering into town, hadn't been in town in thirty years. But for mom and dad, they'll come back. And and if he came back for his dad's death and burial, he obviously didn't harbor any ill will toward Abraham. And he knew that when Abraham had him and his mother leave, he knew that his dad agonized over that. Otherwise, this would have been decades of bitterness and unforgiveness and anger. But you don't get that from the picture. So from the story, it's real simple. We've got to forgive. People who say, I don't want you around, people who turn their back on us, people who say that we have to leave, we still have to be willing to forgive. Because that's how Ishmael was. And this is certainly the way Jesus was hanging on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But you have to forgive the people who do know what they're doing. We don't ever have the right to hold on to bitterness just because a blessing went to someone else and didn't come to us. And we don't have the right to be jealous and envious of other people and say, well, God, I don't understand why you won't raise up my circumstances and elevate me like you elevated him. It's God's choice. He can do what he wants to do. I don't understand why uh, some uh, uh, pastors that have been out here who have tried to pastor and started churches, I don't understand why they don't always work out. I'm not getting angry and upset about that. I don't even understand why some people who pastor and do well, and, and, and then the church turned into a mega thing. And you're like, wow. See? But there's no sense in ever getting angry or upset with somebody because they had uh, marital success or because their kids served God and walked with God or because somebody else's kids didn't no sense in you mocking them and persecuting them because a failure occurred in their life what we need to do is is reconcile and stand together on the same basis like ishmael and isaac did the abrahamic covenant i'm blessed because i'm of abraham's seed so are you with or without failure i'm blessed And God's going to take care of me. And Isaac was the one of the spirit. Ishmael was the one of the flesh. And God still prospered Ishmael. And kept his promise to Ishmael. When Ishmael's seed wasn't doing the right thing. Yeah. Let's go quickly to uh, Galatians 4. And this is where we'll stop. Galatians 4. Paul is teaching about the differences is between the flesh and the spirit. And in verses 24 and 25, he's using mountains as an illustration of what's good, what's better, what's best. In verse 25, he's talking about this Agar is Mount Sinai and answer to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. So he's talking about Hagar. That's what he's talking about. Using using the illustration here, Hagar and Sarah. But verse 26, he says, Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. So Jerusalem is a holy city, a special place of God, anointed of God. This is where the temple of the Lord is. But there's also a new Jerusalem. See? It's a spiritual place. So we need to know the difference between the spiritual city and the natural. City, because this is what the whole thing is about the natural, the spiritual. The principle in scripture is first the natural, then comes the spiritual. God makes Adam and Eve real people, and then from Adam and Eve, we end up with a second Adam. First the natural, then the spiritual. We have an Old Testament tabernacle, and then that tabernacle becomes the temple. That's a real physical temple, but then we become the house of the Lord, the spiritual house, not built with the hands of man. First the natural. Than the spiritual. So look at verse 27. Rejoice uh, thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry. It's an Old Testament quotation. Thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children. Than she which hath a husband. Well really. Now we brethren. As Isaac was. Are children of the promise. Because Isaac was the one. That God said the covenant was going to come through. But as then, he that was born after the flesh did what? What's that that verb? Persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. So this is how we know that when it says Sarah found Ishmael mocking, it was in a negative way. It wasn't a positive kind of connotation. He wasn't just teasing. He, He was causing problems, which is why she wanted him out of there. And he says in the final words of verse 29, even so it is now. So you got two ways to look at that. You can, you can say the principle of the flesh persecuting the spirit and antagonizing the spirit continues now in us. Or Ishmael's seed to this day is still causing problems for Isaac's seed in the promised land. Now remember, this is long before there ever was Islam. Long before there ever was a belief in a false prophet named Muhammad. This was six centuries before any of that ever came to pass. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. So this is why we consider ourselves of the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But we recognize the blessings that came upon Ishmael, understanding that it's all allegorical, the flesh and the spirit. I'm a Christian now, and this old man in me is hostile towards the spirit. The Bible says the carnal man, carnal mind, is enmity with God. You can't tame it. You cannot take that Ishmael nature and tame it. It's got to be crucified under the new covenant. It has to be crucified. It's a wild man. You can't do anything with it. And anybody that says by willpower and sheer force, I can make myself better. Utter deception. Utter deception. The only way you can overcome attitudes and bad habits of the flesh You have to have the spirit of God to bring that victory that's needed. And that comes through that covenant that we have with Isaac. We were not born into bondage, but born free. The child born of a woman purchased as a slave was a slave child. The child born of a free born person was a free baby. This is what Mr. Paul is trying to help us to see. We were not born again bound to sin. We weren't born again bound to darkness. We were born again free by the grace of God. Amen. It's important to know that. So that that story of Ishmael is powerful. It's wonderful. But it shows us how one or two bad decisions, bad ideas, can produce uh, results that have lasting effects. Yeah, lasting effects. And, and I'm grateful that in, in this situation it turned out well like it did. And if you've ever had some uh, mistakes that turned out to be blessings to you, praise the Lord. But there have been plenty of people where Ishmael became worse, and it got worse, and it got worse. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll talk a little bit more. Father, thank you that we could slowly walk through the scriptures to see what they have to say about one idea that a lady had in her desire to have a child. And Father, we're grateful that we've been able to learn what we could from this. And I pray you continue to lead and guide us, help us to mature in our faith, help us to be led, dominated by the Holy Spirit. Help us, God, to live a life that's crucified so that our flesh, nature, will be kept under. And help us to live so that Christ will be magnified by the fruit of the Spirit in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen, Amen, Amen.